there, my name is Shane Craddock and this is the Inner Edge podcast where I share a different take on how to lead and live a sustainable high performance life. Over the course of different episodes, I'm going to challenge the belief that tension, stress and struggle are essential to success and creativity. My experience is that there's an easier way, there's a better way and indeed there's an essential way that we need to explore for the times that we live in. So let's go ahead, let's jump in and explore. Hey there, welcome to today's episode with myself, Shane Craddock. And today, doing something slightly different, we're going to share an interview I did recently with Neve Hannon, someone who is a dear friend of mine, but also a great professional and somebody who I think is going to give a different perspective, a valuable perspective on the inner edge, which is why we're all here. Now, before I do that, I just want to flag to you that my book launch is coming out on the 20th of October, but I'm giving something just to, to celebrate the launch for seven days, starting the 13th of October, depending on when you're hearing this, called the Inside Track. It's seven days of me sharing content via email that you won't get anywhere else. I'll be sharing some stories that made the book and didn't make the book. I'll be sharing a couple of tools. And if you uh, join me in that particular um, seven days, you'll also get access to a unique webinar that I'm calling Unleash Your Inner CEO, where I'm going to explain key basics of the inner CEO and use it as a launch tool for the book. So if you'd like to join me for some, I guess, some hidden gifts and things you won't get elsewhere, including I'm going to be doing some prizes uh, given away on the webinar evening. And so all you got to do is opt in. And even if you can't make it, anybody who registers through that page will get a recording of the webinar, which uh, will be valuable and could be fun. So if you want to do that, the link is in the show notes with this podcast episode. So on to today's guest. The person I want to introduce today, where we've had a, a really, what I think is there's some great nuggets in the interview that's about to come here with a person who's a great professional and a good friend of mine called Neve Hannon. Now, Neve, um, I've known, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 years. Uh, Neve is a professional coach. But what's interesting about Neve is her background. She's also a chartered psychologist with the uh, Psychological Society of Ireland. She's a very strong special interest in positive psychology, which includes um, a certification in a thing called emotional intelligence and also mindfulness. So she has great experience over a wide range of areas that I think you're going to find interesting, including um, being the trauma specialist for banks, where she would have been the person in Ireland anyway, if a bank was robbed, she was the professional body to try and help people get over the trauma of that experience. She's an expert in workplace well-being and has spoken at many conferences and to large companies, to their staff about looking after themselves. She ran a very successful private practice as a psychologist in South Dublin from 2004 to 2014. And she dealt with teens and adults, including men and women. And that gives her, I think, quite a unique perspective, especially on the inner edge. And she now runs her own business for the last few, few years as a coach. Uh, it's under Neve Hannan, H-A-N-N-A-N.com, which I'll share in, in the show notes as well. You'll also hear us talk about something new that she's bringing to Ireland anyway, and I think it's quite new still internationally, called EMC, which is short for Emotional Connection Strategy. It's about um, a certain approach to improve relationships, both in a business context and also in any context, like when, of course, relationships are part of life. So who doesn't want to improve that? She's also, she was the chairperson of the board of directors for T 
Teen Line Ireland, great organization. And yeah, she's just a dear, dear friend who I've known for, as I say, many years. And what you're going to hear, we're going to land straight into a conversation that was recorded between myself and Eve. You'll hear me asking different questions. And I think you're going to find, probably in a surprising way, some of the stuff here and ideas that I think will benefit you. And I think it's no harm to hear it from a different voice. Uh, Neve is known as the Soulful Psychologist. And hopefully by the end of the interview, you'll understand more of why she's called that. So let's get into this conversation with Neve Hanna. Neve Hanna, welcome to The Inner Edge. Thank you, Shame. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, well, it's great finally to have you here. This is something that uh, has been an idea for a while, and I thought it's a great opportunity to get your valued insight from the wide range of experience that you've had on, I guess, what I would call a lot of it is to do with inner work. So what I'm curious about, first of all, if somebody is listening in and then if they don't know uh, you yet, um, if I was to say to you, well, where did you start in your career and how did it evolve to what you're doing now? So that's an easy question you need to start with, nice and short. Yeah, yeah. I know the answer to this one. Woo! <laughs> um, so I'm a chartered psychologist and and actually I would have started seeing my first clients this time. Well, it was this time of year in 1999. So 24 years. Okay. Um so I, I started off counselling and I would have been counselling for 20 years. And so in July 2019, then I moved, I closed down my private practice uh, and moved out of that and retrained in coaching. Um, side by side with the one to one work, Shane, I've always worked with organisations as well. Um, so I've had different interests at different times, but I've always done lots of talks, workshops, trainings and so on with organisations because I, I like to keep things interesting. So I've always had a few different things kind of going on. Yeah. Um, so then I suppose what happened is, is that when I, you know, I obviously preempted COVID by kind of shutting up shop in 2019 um, and just came, finished my, you know, kind of upgrading in, in my training in, you know, in January, February, 2020, and then lockdowns happened. It's um, a whole, so whole really... Percentage. Hold for a second. So I've got a couple of questions there. The first one is, okay. um, what took you into psychology in the first place? Like, what, why did that interest you? Or how did that happen? It, it's a good question. So I suppose when I was in school, even, um, well, probably a couple of factors. My mum was always really good at, even from a young age, when we come in from school and you had a bad day or you're upset about something, you mightn't even mightn't even have re realized or joined the dots that something had happened in school and that's why I was in a mood. But she would sit us on her knee and get it out of us and help us to join the dots. So there was that, I suppose, emotional support there. And she became um, a counsellor for Accord, which was like it was pre-marriage counselling at the time. Yeah. Um, so, so there was that kind of familiarity with that approach, I suppose, to life. The yeah. other thing that happened during my teenage years is that 
you know, different friends lost a parent at a very vulnerable age. And one of my parents, one of my friends lost a uh, parent by suicide. Um, And that had a huge impact on me um, and on everybody in a very wide circle. And it it taught me from a young age that there's, uh, and the phrase that really stuck in my head for me was that there's a history behind every face. And I know nothing about what's going on in other people's lives you could be sitting beside somebody in class mm. all year and not know what's really going on for them and it's the same in the office mm. um and that that really struck me and i suppose i've always kind of had an, an interest in that so um now having said that i wasn't clear when i was in college that i wanted to do psychology because Back in the late 80s and early 90s, I didn't even know what psychology was. I didn't know anybody who had done it, really. Um, And and from a very young age, I had been interested in medicine, in fact. So like as as a kid growing up, as a little girl growing up in the 70s, I wanted to be a nurse. Um, At some point, I learned that girls could be doctors, too, because all the books had the men (laughs) as doctors and the the, the women as nurses. Yeah. and and while nursing is a very valuable uh, profession, I at that point I wanted the white coat and the stethoscope as well. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I, I set my sights on medicine. So all through secondary school, I was really intent on medicine. And it's interesting because as we're recording this, actually the the college offer places yeah. come out today, yeah. and the yeah. leaving search results are very recent. Um, so when I got my leaving results, everybody thought it was a dead cert that I'd be a doctor. And when the offers came out, I didn't get medicine. Um, I didn't get my first three choices, I think. And so when I had been filling out those forms, I knew that if I didn't, that I was doing my utmost first time around in the leaving cert to get medicine. And that if I didn't get it, I wasn't going to repeat that. It was I took it that it was almost like a message from the powers that be to do something different i put my all into it gave it 100 and if that still failed then don't go at it again leave do something else and so there's something else i had no clue i just knew that my languages were where my a's were going to be um so i paired things off with languages and and one of the pairings was psychology with french um and i didn't even get that because on random selection (laughs) I wasn't selected. Okay, so I, wow. I started off. This is this is a longer story than you expected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I started. <laughs> well, I didn't notice about you. I didn't notice about you. So you kind of ended up in psychology almost kind of a starting point was almost like by a mistake almost, or it wasn't quite designed by your mind. Almost. Or you could say that I knew nothing about where I was going and something yeah. was steering me into something it. Was that, because that, I actually started off. That's how I interpret it. Um, So I'm from Cavan originally. You might not know that uh, with by the accent, (laughs) but um, a lot of Cavan people would have gone to Galway to college. So I actually got um, offered a place in Galway. I would have been doing arts. Um, I got a place in campus. There were loads of people I knew. Galway was mega friendly. You go in the first week, I think it was like orientation week and then there's fresher week and Everybody's chatting to everybody. It's party on from the day you go in there. (laughs) And two weeks into Galway, um, I got a phone call from Trinity that I had been, I had missed out on random selection in in the first round. And by I had been, somebody didn't take up a place. And now my name came up randomly selected to study psychology and French 
in, okay. in Trinity. And the only reason that I was willing to move from Galway to Trinity at that point was because in Galway in arts at the time, I don't know what it's like now, but you would be choosing maybe four subjects in first year. Only there were hundreds doing psychology in first year. Only 26 would get in at the end of the year. So I had no guarantee that I would get to psychology. And I didn't I didn't want to be doing like two languages or, you know, something with archaeology or some subject that I didn't have the same interest in. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So listen, there's there's a thousand questions I could ask you from that, right? But <laughs> but but actually, let's go on one that I didn't really plan, which okay. was when you're saying, you know, and it, I just think I because I, I I think there's something in this for everybody in terms of um, guidance, or you said there was something else steering me. So so ha- what is that thing that you think is steering, that might be steering? Yeah, I suppose at the at the time I probably would have maybe call that like God. Now my language might be more like life, the universe, uh, yeah. a higher force as such, a sense or, or something even inside myself, that yeah. that inner wisdom that, you yeah. know, I couldn't get through to my thick skull that Neve, psychology is the path for you. Like once I got into psychology, I knew this is where I'm meant to be. I had no regrets about not, about missing out on medicine. I mean, I, and I was devastated when I didn't get the offer for medicine initially. Um, but once I got into psychology, there were no regrets. It's like, this is where I'm meant to be. I could see, and I knew even in college, in, in my undergrad, that I wanted to go on and do, you know, master's or PhD or whatever in either counselling or clinical psychology. But that was my so, area of interest. So it makes more sense to me now. And we'll come to this in a minute in terms of your your brand at the moment is the soulful psychologist. So I guess that kind of makes more sense in that context. You kind of that that's that encapsulates the journey as you got into psychology, there was something else steering in a way you're almost saying, what I'm hearing anyway is that inner wisdom, maybe the soul element or whatever you want to call it, it's that element coming in as well. So that makes more sense to me now. Um again, like lots of questions, but if I just zone in on a couple of things, I know for example that um you you specialized for a good while in trauma and helping people get over trauma. So for a long time one of the things I was always curious about was that if if a bank, one of the major banks was your customer, if they were robbed, uh, you would be called in to help. I don't know what the word is, whether it's debrief or counsel the people in the, in the bank who were faced maybe at gunpoint or whatever else. Just, just curious, just talk a little bit about that. Like what, like what was your approach there or even what did you learn from that? Quite a specialized thing. So, yeah, and, and so back in about two thousand and four, I, I learned of, of of this, and and what it was at the time was called critical incident stress management (CISM), and that was the evidence based approach at that time. Over the years, that came under scrutiny. That approach and and the process came under scrutiny, and so I retrained then in what you know, according to new evidence, was the new way of doing things, which is psychological first aid. Um, but you're right. I, I would have been called into banks, or you know, after different traumatic events, a critical incident, essentially, I, I would have been called in within kind of 48 hours. Usually, uh, very often, I get a phone call today. Can you come in tomorrow? And you have to be prepared to drop everything. And my other clients needed to know that that I could be called to do that. Um, some of the work. And, and I still would occasionally get a call from a company like today, and it's not bank raids anymore. Um, it's 
it's it's often death, sudden death or suicide of a colleague in the workplace, um, or it may be a workplace related death or injury, or if there's mass redundancies happening, for example, they're the kind of incidents that um, that people would like me would get called in for today. And what I'm just curious, I, I just think nothing is ever wasted. So and we're going to come to this now in a minute in terms of your work with leaders, because obviously, as you said earlier on, you you know, you kind of use the COVID time as a time to maybe transition from the counseling, psychological support into more of the coaching leadership area, right? But if you're looking yeah. back, what do you think the the trauma experience and also the counseling, psych- psychological experience of dealing with people one-to-one? And I know you did groups as well, but then you transitioned to lead. What, what did you take from that time to bring it into leadership that's relevant? I think, and I suppose that, that what that background has given me is skills in really listening to a person under, not I don't necessarily mean underneath what they're saying, but there is, there's, you know, they're reading into, but also the, the ability to create a safe space, actually, so that people can op- open up and be their real self, their whole self, so that it's not just the happy facade or the look at him, how amazing I am or whatever might be presented to the world normally. I'm interested in getting to know what's really going on with you. And it's that inner game, really, that, you know, in, in the language that you use, Shane, um, I'm not I suppose my, my motivation has never been just to work on the surface and and teach you lots of skills to make you more amazing and, and get you that promotion. While lots of people might come to me to build those skills, my real interest lies in going under the hood and who are you, who are you and what's the essence of you so that when you recognize that, then you bring that out into the world. And that's what gets you the promotion or whatever else you want to do or go for. But I also want to make sure that you know, if you are going for the promotion, it's not just because it's the next step or it's the obvious thing or it's what you should do. I want to make sure, well, you know, are you in alignment for this? Is, is, does this feel right for you? Or are you doing it because other people think you should do it? Or do you think that's what's going to make you happy or give you the magic, you know, yeah, the magic wand for you? Um, So I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah, so it's it's I like working with the essence of people. And I think that that experience both through counseling and through trauma is it means that when people come to me, they're in a vulnerable place. And I can create a lot of safety very quickly for somebody to allow themselves to be vulnerable. And that vulnerability actually is what allows for transformation. So when we allow ourselves to go to those vulnerable places, that's when change can happen. That's when growth can really happen. And that's what I love to work with, that growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So with your work now, you know, how would you describe the kind of the kind of leaders and organizations that that you work with? Like who, who are your ideal people that you work with? I guess that's evolving still for me. Um but usually, I, I like to work with people who, first of all, have that interest in their own personal growth as well as professional growth. So that openness. Um, and it's almost like some of the work that I do would be in emotional intelligence. And I often would use an emotional intelligence assessment at the beginning of a coaching contract with the client, particularly when they're coming about something work related. Um, and 
and and one of the measures in that is you know that kind of self actualization is what it's termed uh, and that that interest or that motivation to develop yourself as a person as well as professionally and it's almost like you have it or you don't, <laughs> you know, yeah. people are either and you're not really going to go to coaching unless you have that, unless yeah. you're a little bit of a self-actualizer. And you might be sent, of course. But if that's not there, then somebody isn't going to have that same interest and motivation. So I love to work with people who have that interest and motivation. Um, and a lot of my group work, it's it, it it is about kind of doing that work. We're always building self-awareness um, and that you're growing as a person because that's who that's what you bring to your leadership then hmm. it's not it's not the skills that you slap out it's, it's who you are and how you are and the state that you can maintain and how you communicate and the relationships that you build and all of that comes back to you know well you know if you want to change anything your first step is self-awareness and becoming aware of where things are currently and then where do you want to move them to and what do you see neve in that kind of work what do you see as the main challenges like what what are you seeing being presented with the leaders that you're talking with what are their main challenges yeah i, I suppose it just kind of you could almost break it down into different groups uh, or diff, you know or different reasons that people come to me sometimes um maybe you know women in particular might come with confidence issues um it's, it's still quite a quite a thing i guess that you know, whether and for different reasons, it may be return after maternity leave or whatever, the confidence is going to be low. Um, so confidence can be qu quite a common one. Another one would be um, often, say, leaders who have got to a certain level. They've climbed the ladder. They might be, you know, having they have the nice financial income at this point. And they don't necessarily like the view from the top mm -hmm. or they've got to that point and And, and now there's almost like, oh, is this is it? Yeah. like yeah. Uh, yeah is this it uh, i thought that would i thought i would get more out of it being here and and i'm not sure i want to keep doing this for the next 10 or 15 years or how long it is till their retirement um so so that kind of search for meaning and search for fulfillment and i i found that actually i think covid accelerated that yeah i think yeah. people had a taste of you know, stepping out of the norm during COVID and maybe getting some perspective. And life did slow down yeah. hugely for us yeah. during COVID. And I know a lot of people worked a lot of hours online, but you weren't running your kids to every activity because there was nothing on. You weren't going out socially because you couldn't. There was nothing else. And I think it forced people to slow down and they got some perspective. And I think there was an acceleration in that kind of like, self-examination even and where do am I where I want to be do I really want to step back into that when the world speeds back up again um yeah. how do I want things to be and and it maybe shone a little bit of a microscope on you know for people on on the where they're not happy or where they where that gap was for them Mm. So they they would be some of the key areas, I guess. You know, within organisations too. Sometimes the the issues that can be coming to me, maybe in coaching, can be maybe more specifically culture related. For example, um, working with maybe government departments or public service type thing. One of the common issues is that loss of knowledge, the knowledge drain when there's a turnover. You know, yeah. so you. 
um, and the stress and that that maybe leaves for the people who are left behind trying to bring expertise to a subject that they might not have expertise on. And because I've had the public service, you know, public service, very often what happens there is they're moved from a, within completely different departments. Uh, and, and so they have to learn from scratch. So there's there's different things that depending on cultures and, and just curious and on that. Organizations. Obviously, you know, we would we would we're friends, we're colleagues, we would talk all the time about different things. But I'm just curious. I think I know the answer from your perspective, but I don't want to make the assumption I'm going to ask you. Like, do you think stress in organizations or in business in general, you know, has it, is it the same as was it was five years ago? Has it gone down? Has it gone up? What do you think it is? Up. Say up? Yeah. Up. This year, I think my observation is that this year has been different in lots of ways, I think, than the previous years. And I mean, obviously, you know, when COVID happened, there was such a fear response. It was so unlike everything, anything that we'd ever experienced before that there was a, a massive fear response. And there was a huge adaptation as people adapted to working from home and working on a screen and very often were being onboarded and all that. So there was very high stress that was paid attention to in the workplace, perhaps for the first time. Yeah. And since COVID, it's like everything there's a new hybrid approach so that's a new adaptation and for and more change for people but things have sped up to uh, you know like it, are, are we going to rotate off our axis <laughs> because <laughs> like the earth the earth's just gonna it's like it's spinning out of control everybody is so busy and moving so fast and no it's, it's, a, good, it's, a, good, it's a good it's a good way of saying it because well i mean obviously the, the earth as far as i'm aware is still doing the speed that it does is suspended in space. <laughs> but if you're a human, it does seem to me as well. That's my take is that the business factor for humans is 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 just gone off the scale over the last 12 mm. months. Yeah. Like yeah. I like for me, looking at it the same as you, there probably I think it's it's the worst it's ever been that I've ever seen it. Um, and I always mm. think, oh no, at some point it's gonna slow down. Do you think, okay, we've got the lessons from COVID, we're seeing a different way. This is gonna be the chance for change and a new approach, a new model. And then you realize, oh, oh, maybe it's true. Old habits die hard. <laughs> and it's just getting I worse. feel like I was I feel like during like during COVID, like say in 2020, you know, once it became clear that this isn't going away in a few weeks, yeah. um, and we were heading into the winter. In the second half of 2020, I did about 50 webinars for different companies on well-being, on coping, on trying to stay well through COVID, on working from home and creating boundaries and all of that stuff. And I feel like I was preaching about, you know, we need to learn from this yeah. and yeah. remember this for when yeah. the world opens back up again. And it's like, it's like, I, yeah, it, it, it's actually worse than before. I'd agree. Yeah, okay. just well, I, I won't. I won't. There's an obvious kind of question there as well. Why do we think that's the case? But let's not get into that because I think that that's probably a dedicated episode by itself, right? A long one. Um, yeah, it could be a rabbit hole. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it is a rabbit hole. <laughs> but let's talk a bit about um, a phrase that um, you you've introduced to me called emotional connection work, and I know that. Uh, this is kind of something that you're pioneering in Ireland. So you're bringing kind of a, a new model, a new approach into Ireland. You're the first person to kind of do this particular type of work. Can you just explain to people listening just exactly what it is and why does it matter? Yeah, thank you. So um, 
I guess I was approached um, by Dr. Lola Gershfield, who's in like West Coast USA, um, because with my skill set and my background, she thought that I, I could be a good match for the work that she has done. And so she's done a huge amount of research. She has an advisory board and researchers who have been working on this for years. She has written several books on this and she has an evidence based process, really, called EMC, Emotional Connection. And what it is, is it's it's a very structured process to help people to reconnect and to rebuild and to repair the bond in any kind of work relationship in particular she's focused on um, after a disconnect. So I suppose, you know, it, it's it's based on her study of attachment theory as well as other approaches. But the biggest resource for human beings is emotional connection with other people. And when we experience emotional disconnect, we ex we are stressed and distressed and that impacts on our performance and on our ability to do work. And so when we work with somebody, we depend on them to a certain extent. And if you've got like, for example, an employee manager relationship and there's if there's a good emotional connection, then things tend to go smoothly and the employee tends to be engaged and the manager feels good about the work that they're doing, too. And it goes into a positive cycle. But when when something happens that creates a disconnect, very often you'll get somebody who withdraws and the other person might be trying to fight for that relationship. And, you know, and, and we call them the, the pursuer as such. So they're like, we need to meet, we need to talk. And the other person is maybe for whatever reason feeling overwhelmed or like just I can't handle this or there's a lot of emotions involved. Traditionally in the workplace, emotions have been ignored. It's, you know, for a long time, it was believed that the workplace is no place for emotions Absolutely. with the work, uh, you know, with the work of emotional intelligence and Dan, from Daniel Goldman right through, yeah. you know, that has that understanding has changed. Um, but I don't think people really had a process. Like if you want to build your emotional intelligence, how, how do you do I that? Do if, if I yeah. want to repair the relationship, how do I do that? And and the only kind of thing that I've seen out there, and I studied it myself years ago, was was mediation. Um, and very often when mediation is, is taking place, it, it, the conflict has already gone to a really bad place. And you're, it, the focus in mediation is on the content. What is the content of this argument and let's see if we can reach an agreement not, about but not the resolution behind it in terms of the people the emotions and the relations within that exactly there's so, so, often no repair of the relationship so in essence what it is it's a process for repairing relationships the to relationship a good the, yeah the bond and, exactly you know obviously you're talking about emotional intelligence that inner intelligence i mean it's gained a lot of traction over recent years um you know as you said it's not you know we're coming from a background maybe male dominated where it's like you know we don't show emotions that is changing they're seen as there's, there's a lot of value now huge value in understanding that emotional intelligence excuse me <clears throat> so is this for men and women is it for women only is it for men oh, uh, oh no it's for everybody it's for everybody absolutely 100 right. because because th that that breakdown in, in communication happens 
everywhere. You know, yes. I mean, it, it, I, I'm married. It happens between myself and my husband, you know, and then we have to repair that. But we're invested in repairing that because we've made a commitment to each other. Yeah. And we're invested in, in repairing, the, you know, those those kind of discords or, or um, disconnects with our kids, you know. But in work, while you might be, while you might really care, there's also, I suppose, a fear. Like, for example, sometimes when we don't express emotions well, and we don't know how to do that in the workplace. I mean, I think we really don't know how to do that in the workplace. We don't know how to be vulnerable. We've got all this research and Brenny Brown telling us how, you know, how important it is. How but do you do it? For, how do you do it? And, and very often there isn't the safety. So the first step in this is creating safety so that then you can be vulnerable. And it's giving people the language and the process. And that creates a huge amount of safety in itself because it's very structured and you're helping people to move through this and there's a beginning a middle and an end um so that they come out the other side having repaired that relationship but also then i will be teaching people um the process themselves so that they can continue to use that not just for that disconnect but for any disconnect that happens in the future so you have a set of skills Um, and that can that can then spread kind of organization wide really or it would start with the top though you know that um it kind of goes back to what what again goes back to the very start of our conversation we were saying you know about seeing that there's a history behind the face and obviously there's a lot more behind the face and that goes back to your point and about leaders you know, what's really going on, as you say, you're trying to kind of get down to the truth, like what's actually going on. So, and I think anybody listening to this, we're all the same insofar as that, you know, some people are are good at masking their emotions. Unfortunately, particularly I think in the corporate environment, we're conditioned or people have been conditioned to kind of just put up the nice, brave face, but underneath I might be suffering in silence. And I can see the value of what you're talking about, that if, if there's a kind of defined process that you could actually help somebody say, okay, here's the process to actually help repair this relationship. So now I can just follow that. Um, I can see that. I can see massive value. I'm going to change tax slightly. If that's okay. Unless there's, unless there's something, do you want to add something to that? Well, I, I guess a couple of little points. Yeah. First, that even though emotional intelligence has been recognized more and more over recent years, um, some of that is still at a theoretical or kind of lip service level. It's not necessarily being integrated into the workplace. People aren't being promoted for their emotional intelligence yet. Um, So, so there's still that piece. And, and I guess the other, the, the other piece is that, you know, that these disconnects can happen, you know, over all sorts of little things, little misunderstandings, little miscommunications, little resentments and hurts and grudges, and 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 there may and and if two people don't talk about that in a, in a way that's helpful and that's safe, then what tends to happen is that you know some of it is nearly made up in a person's head, and and you'll never know the truth of it because you've got two different perspectives who aren't willing to go there because they don't feel safe, and particularly where there's maybe a hierarchical, you know, if you've got an employee and a manager, it's very difficult for an employee to safely challenge their manager or talk to them about that emotionally. And very often the manager cares about the employee, but doesn't have the skills. And this is about giving people the skills to have that conversation, to repair the bond. And Eve, if, somebody, um, if somebody's listening to this now, it, you know, I know you mentioned it was from, I, I couldn't pronounce the name of the woman, but it, would you direct them to your website or to maybe this woman's book, if they're interested in even exploring more and more about that, where would you direct them? 
So I'd say just get in touch with me, get, send me an email, you know, set up a phone call, a Zoom call or whatever, um, because what I, I'm going to be like offering some free webinars on this uh, to help to educate people about it, I suppose, and for, for people to understand more about it. So that way, then they can see, is this something that I might be interested in for my organization um, or for my board or for my, you know, leadership team, for example. Um, so it, it, it'll be, you know, available at, at different levels. But a free webinar is is a good way to start, I think, for people, for information. I could do one for an organization and have a conversation with okay. them about. Well, I, I, I have a few more questions to ask you. But before I do that, just very quickly, what is your email? Neve at nevehannon.com. And the Hannon is H-A-N-N-A-N. H-A-N-N-A-N. Grand. We'll, we'll repeat that at the end as well. So a couple of... Uh, I, well, I, my I, website is nevehannon.com, so they'll they'll find out lots about me on that. But that's it's not updated. It's it's not really on there yet. Yeah, okay. It's, 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 yeah, email is best for the moment. I just made up a thing as we were talking. It just kind of came to mind. I'm going to call it the three by three, right? So I'm going to ask you three questions, and I want you to give me... Off the top of your head, straight from the gut slash soul, uh, three answers. Okay. So the first question is, um, what are three things that leaders can do more of to improve from an inner context? So what are three things leaders can do more of to improve from an inner context? The first one that comes to mind is mindfulness or meditation. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, as a practice. and. And I, and I don't mean just picking up an app and kind of put you know putting aside ten minutes, which is fantastic. But I think the the whole mindfulness approach and learning a little bit more about the the actual mindset behind it, even and the and the understanding the approach is really really beneficial. Mm -hmm. And that will grow. You know, the, the second piece I suppose would be kind of growing your self awareness. Mindfulness will help you do that. Um, so because you're making time for that reflection, for observing yourself and learning to accept as well, which is a huge part of the journey and will be a lifelong thing. <laughs> um, I, I know what you mean by that, but uh, but let's just pretend somebody's listening who's listening to hearing that for the first time. What, what do you mean by accept? Okay, so so in a nutshell, if I was to use one sentence for the mindfulness approach, it is let's see if I can begin to accept whatever it is that I'm experiencing in this moment. Okay, so it's, let's see, is that kind of experimental mindset, curiosity, um, if I can begin, so that beginner's mindset, you know, right. you're not looking to be an expert at this, you're not looking to do an amazing meditation and transcend, you know, become enlightened. It's just, so that's the mindset you're going in with, to accept. And, and you know, like say, for example, you have a headache, it can be we fight that we resist that or you've just had you know you just had criticism from your lovely wife this morning shane you know she gave out you for something to and... what are you talking about don't be putting ideas <laughs> in your head. Here. Put the head well that's out. why i won't give any examples because i couldn't think of any but... <laughs> <laughs> okay no no you said that you said just... that really succinctly I, li I like that description of of accept uh, I, I think that's very clear the way you described that as a sentence. I'm going to give you the second question. It's it's kind of linked, but what should organizations do? Give me three things that organizations should do more of from an inner context. So it, linked with, with the emotional connection work that I'm doing, 
they need organizations need to begin to open up to focusing on emotions and emotional connections and bonds between people because we know statistically and from all the research that engagement is at a seriously low rate. Um, we know that people are stressed out, burning out, sick, you know, dropping out like flies, mass resignation, all of that thing, movement happening. People stay when they have good relationships, even if they're not mad about the job, actually. Yeah. If yeah. they have good working relationships, if they like their boss, if they like the people that they're working with and yeah. they feel engaged and they feel like they have safe, you know, emotional connections with those people, they might they might happily work away at that job for a lifetime. Yeah. You know, those bonds are so important. And when that goes wrong, it doesn't matter how much the person likes the work itself, they will be gone. They cannot stay in that because it's too stressful to the human being because we need those communications, connections, invest in the emotional connections and that work to help your people to get better at that. Yes. And and invest in 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 your leaders. I mean, coming back to the, the EQ, the emotional intelligence, invest in, you know, their people's skills, their emotional skills so that they are then creating that culture from the top down and and that then sets things up that hasn't been valued at the bottom line i think you know and and yet that you know all the research is showing that this is the stuff that affects your bottom line because it impacts hugely on performance think of anybody you know who has talked about you know, a difficult relationship at work when there's a disconnect, they're stressed, they're distressed, they're distracted at work, their performance is going to be down, somebody's not speaking to me, or you think that they're speaking to somebody else about you. It's nearly all you can think about. It's very difficult to 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 perform, you know. So, and a manager managing that, it's like they don't necessarily know what way to turn it it just ends up in this negative cycle and the negative cycle takes over the relationship and that takes over your capacity for work. So organizations need to pay more attention to emotions and to emotional connection, really, you know, and to start that from the top down. Okay, great. Love it. Last question then of the three, what should I call it? The three by three, right? So last question is, right, with regards to you, could you share three things that you do to cultivate your your own inner game. Yeah, and and you know, Shane, this is something that at one point I remember being being um, kind of introduced as the the, the boss of self care because self care has always been a big area for me. I've worked, you know, in mental health and well being for over twenty years, um, and and yet it's something that you know, when I come across my own obstacles in life or tough times, I always have to find a way to nearly up my game. So you can never really get complacent with this. So so for me, one of the things that I've learned and got into the habit of that really impacts me positively is I go for a walk with the dog in every morning and that sets me up nicely for the day. I I would also... um, listen to a guided meditation or do a silent meditation every night in bed actually um so that that helps me kind of wind down and relax rather than staying awake with a busy mind um so it sends me into a better sleep um so there are two really key things making time for myself um like for me my 
my friends, my relationships are, you know, we know research wise, I'm not alone in this. This is everybody. We all need it. But I certainly recognize it in my life as I, I you know, I make time. I made time at lunchtime today, hooked up with a friend, went for a little walk. Yeah. And that, that resets me. And that's what kept me sane during COVID as well was, you know, being able just to meet a friend for a walk once, even once a week. So it's making that time for the people in your life who are really important to you for those connections, because actually that, that boosts you and keeps you going. Brilliant. Brilliant. Right. Well, look, that's been fantastic. Lots of information and thought provoking stuff there, Neve. So uh, thank you very much. And um, thank you. We'll see. We'll see. We might have you on again, um, maybe for some rabbit hole discussions on deeper topics. <laughs> to get deep and philosophical there. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. We'll solve the problems of the world between us, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can try. We can certainly try. All right, Neve, thank you. Thank you, Shane. It's been an absolute pleasure. So that was Neve Hannan. I hope you got some good food for thought in that conversation. I thought there was plenty in it. Just to close out, again, a reminder, if you'd like to get involved in my launch week where I'm going to be sharing some goodies, some tools, some information, some stories, all by email, uh, just join me, register at the webpage. The link is in the show notes here, but it's also the URL is theinnerceo.com slash stay hyphen updated theinnerceo.com slash stay hyphen updated. The link is in the show notes anyway. Other than that, I hope you have a great week and that's it. Ciao for now.